Welcome to the Mustang United Methodist Church Podcast. My name is Aaron Tiger and I'm the pastor here. And thank you so much for listening with us today. Our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. We would also love to see you each and every Sunday morning for worship at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. The sermon that you are about to hear is entitled The Gift of Abiding and it was preached on August 25th. We do come to the time in our service in which we'll read God's Word and we remain standing as we read God's Word found in the Gospel of John chapter 15 verses 1 through 12. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, we do give you thanks and praise for who you are and for your word. And so God, we just pray that this word, this truth of your love for us and your abiding presence would be with us this day and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I had a a friend who left every email. His sort of email signature was go, go, go. Now he was an enthusiastic kind of a guy, so that sort of was good for him. But that was the message of of every email was go, 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 um, which sometimes seems a little overwhelming to me, right? Um, Sometimes the last thing I I want to do is go, go, go. Um, But that is often the message that we we get in the world is that we are in a go, go, go world, that everywhere we go, we have to go quickly and we have to get there fast. It makes me think of this old Alabama song, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I'm rushing, rushing to life's no fun. All I really gotta do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Right? Yeah. This is our life, right? We're in a hurry and we don't even know why sometimes. We go, go, go all the time. And so I begin to wonder, like, what is it about our life that makes us, why do we live this way? Why are we in a hurry all the time? 
Um, in fact, one of the things that I'll do when I talk to people, I'll, if I haven't seen them in a while, I'll say, oh, how are you doing? And then they will say this answer, I'm busy, right? Like, is that really like how we answer stuff, right? Is, is that busyness is our norm, all right? And so this becomes one of the central points of our lives is to be busy because that was the 11th commandment, thou shalt be busy, right? <laughs> but apparently... We take this very seriously because this is our world. We are a world of go, 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 a world of busyness. And so why, why does busyness matter so much? I think it's because of this, because we think that if we are busy, then we're going to be this wonderful thing called productive, all right? And so that busyness produces production, that the more I can go, the more I can do, the more that I can produce, the more value I can add, the more that people will like me. Because then that's the third step. We go from busyness to production to what I'm calling love. All right? And so that the more that I do, I produce more. All right? And the more that I produce and the better I produce it at, the more loved I feel. Right? This happens in high school, right? Work really, really hard so that, so that we can see how great you are so that then you can get a scholarship and scholarships equal love. This is what we communicate, right? Or we communicate it in our jobs too, right? That, that if you work really hard and, and you produce a 5% growth this year, all right, very good. Now you need to work even harder so that you can produce an 8% growth so that you can continue to be worthwhile. And this is what I call the cycle of death because it never stops. And in fact, it just builds on one another. We become busier so that we can produce more so that we can feel loved, we can feel affirmed, we can feel worth. And this is a cycle that I think so many people in the world fall into, and I find myself falling into it as well. That, that sometimes um, I've got to be busy so that I can show my worth as a pastor. I have to produce good sermons. I have to produce other things so that I can feel affirmation. And this cycle can repeat itself in any one of us, no matter where we are. But is this the life that God wants for us? Is this his promise for us? Busyness, production, something close to love? Or some mask of love? I don't think so. I love this text from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And this is what it says. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He goes on to say, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Some of us can't even imagine living freely and lightly. But this is the life that God wants us to live. And so I'm going to invite us to slow down a little bit. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to read our text again. Because one of the things that I know sometimes happens with me is that I'm reading the text so I can get to the sermon. But really, as people, everything points to this text. And so what I want us to do as I read this is, is, is not just read it, not just hear it and receive it in the habit that, it, that we so often have, but just let the words of Christ to his disciples on his final meal penetrate our hearts. Hear these words again. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. My friends, these are words of grace, of hospitality, of truth from Jesus to us. Because really what Jesus came to do was not just go, 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 though he does command us to go and there are certainly times we are called to go. But Jesus provides us a whole nother model of how to live. Now when we, when we think about Jesus's life, we often think about the period that we have in the gospels because that's what we know about Jesus's life. What we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But, but in fact, that is just a small sliver of Jesus's life. Most people think Jesus lived to about 32, 33 years old. Here's what we know about Jesus fairly well. We know he was born, so we know about the very beginning of his story, all right? We know of a story about when he was 12 or so, um, when he was in the temple and his parents had left for three days. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not that great of a parent. And then I realize Jesus' parents lost him for three days. All right? <laughs> Makes me feel a little bit better. Um, somebody shared this video of like this panda. I don't know if you saw this on Facebook. It was great. There was this panda who had its like cub. And this person handed, it, handed this panda an apple. And then this person took the cub out and just walked away. And like, they were like, this apple must have been really good for them to just take their kid away like that. Um, but anyways, um, it has nothing to do with my sermon. Sorry about that. Um, but Jesus, so from when he was 12 till about 30, we don't know much about Jesus's life. All right? This is crazy, right? Like this most famous person in history, and, and we don't really know what happened in these 18 years of our life, all right, of his life. But this is the way that Jesus was, as we focus on his two, two to three years of ministry, all right, but we really only know about 10% of Jesus's life, all right? And we focus on that, and there's so much great ministry there. But what this tells me is that there was a lot of preparation that needed to happen, in order for Jesus to be able to minister the way he did. It wasn't something that just happened overnight, but he had to receive and to be and to grow. And so Jesus had that. And he gives us this rhythm of preparation of being before going. 
Um, right after he was baptized, he spent 40 days in the wilderness alone. Um, some of us can't spend 40 minutes alone. Jesus spent 40 days alone, and the devil came to tempt him. He, 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 took, he took time to spend by himself. One of the things that, that we read kind of constantly throughout the scriptures is that, is that he would go away to pray. And, and that was one of the things that the disciples noticed about his prayer life. In fact, um, one of the things they asked us is, teach us how to pray. That's how we got the Lord's Prayer, is they said there's something different about the way that Jesus prays. He, he goes out in the morning and he spends time with the Father. Um, later on, after the, the supper, he, he goes to the garden. And while the other disciples fell asleep in prayer, Jesus poured himself out to the Father in prayer. Before he went through the passion, through these awful, excruciating hours of dying for us, he spent time being with the Father. This is who Jesus was. Is he took time to be before he went. And so often we are so prone to go before we just be still with ourselves and with God. One of my favorite ways to understand this is during Jesus' baptism. And so John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and, and when he came out of the waters, it said, a dove came down, and there were these words from God. It says, this is my beloved son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. All right? This is my son, whom I loved, with whom I am well pleased. Now, the great thing about that to me is that Jesus hadn't done anything yet. That's at, the very, that's at the beginning of our Gospels. Jesus hadn't walked on water. He hadn't fed 5,000 people. He hadn't done these miracles that we're going to hear about. What this tells me is that before Jesus had done anything, his worth was in his relationship to God the Father. The Father loved the Son not because of what he had done, but because he was his Son that he dearly and tremendously loved. And so are we. So are you. So am I. We are God's creation. He loves us because he made us. All right? Not because of anything we've done, not because of anything we've said, not because of anything we haven't done or haven't said. And sometimes we spend so much of our time and energy trying to do things to please God when here's the great truth, is that you are loved beyond measure, beyond compare, beyond anything else. There's nothing that you can do that'll make God love you anymore. And there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you any less. And so the truth of our stories, and some, for some of you, this is really hard to sink in. And so I just pray that just a little bit seeps through. That maybe in some of the hardness of our hearts that we've created over the years, that we can really believe this crack of love that shines through these little hardened places. And that we can believe this truth is that you are loved. That God knew you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's nothing, nothing you can do that will make God love you any more or any less. The first words God ever said about you and I is that you and I are very good. So this is a whole new cycle. And it begins with this idea that we are loved. We don't have to earn it. It's not based on what we produce. We just sit in it and bask in it. And in fact, that's what we do is that we are called to abide in God's love. Is that that's really the next step is to just be with God. This is Jesus' pattern just to be with God. But so often you and I, we don't ever be, we are not still. We don't abide in his love. We don't soak it in. We don't wake up in the morning and think, thank you, Lord, that I'm loved. We get up and we go. So instead, we are called to be and to abide in that. 
Now the next part of the cycle of life is probably our least favorite part and this is this pruning idea. We're gonna talk a little bit more about it but when we abide with Jesus, there's this pruning that happens. Now often this can feel like a negative thing because things are being cut but this is part of God loving us because God loves us just as we are but he wants us to flourish. He wants us to have life and have love and so there's this pruning process that happens and the beautiful thing that happens after that is then we produce right then we have fruit that lasts right that there is this produce that happens and so this is the cycle of life we are loved we abide in that there's a pruning that happens and then we produce fruit um, one of the one of my favorite text is um, the fruits of the spirits in Galatians. It says the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But what I love about that is that is that they are produce. They are fruits that happen when the cycle of life happens. So I can't decide one day I'm going to be patient today. I can't just wake up and decide I'm joyful. That's not the way it works. That's not fruit. All right. What I can decide is I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to abide with him. I'm going to let him prune some of these parts of me. And then what will happen is I will naturally become patient. It will flow out of me in this way. And so this is what God invites us to do. And we don't take time to do it very often. It's just to abide. He calls us to abide and abide and abide. And he gives us this great analogy in dealing with the vine and the branches. And that, that, that he calls to image this mind that you and I may not be familiar with, though I happen to know some of you do like things that are produced out of the vineyard, all right? Um, but, but here, all right, this is not what, what we, grape juice, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know where your guys are mind, but. Um, is that God calls us to abide and to be with them. And so they would have been familiar with this image of vine and branches and fruit that lasts. And so we are called to soak in that. But that also means that in this abiding process that we open ourselves to being pruned. Now, I um, do not have a green thumb at all. I don't like gardens necessarily. It's hot. It's, you know, it's like weeds and all sorts of stuff. This is not my natural turf or territory um, to, to be in. Um, but I was, uh, on Monday, I meet with the staff, we talk about the text, and so we had a great conversation, and then on Tuesday, um, I was sitting down at coffee, at Wild Hero Coffee, and I was talking with Bill Edwards. Now, some of you may know Bill. Uh, Bill sits over here at the late, at the early service, and uh, Bill is a master gardener, all right? Um, now, I googled um, master gardener Oklahoma to see, like, what does that mean? Because I really didn't know. Um, to be a master gardener, you have to put, have 60 hours of instruction and then at least 60 hours of supervision before you can call yourself a master gardener. So these are people who have spent lots of time learning and just around plants and vines and other such stuff to learn about how they grow and how they nurture. And so I told Bill I was going to be preaching about the vine and the branches, and I said, so can you tell me about what pruning is? And so Bill just laid out these things, like four things right in a row, and I was like, uh, Bill, I'm going to need to write these down. So I got my phone out. I took these notes real quick. And so let me tell you what I learned about pruning from Bill Edwards. And, and one of the things that he told me, and this was just so great because God is so tender to us. And God is so good to us. He said this, that the master gardener prunes each branch uniquely. 
is that there's no two branches that the gardener says, oh, I just know how to cut all these. But the master gardener takes his time and he, and, and he looks at what the branch needs, what each plant needs in order to grow and to develop and to flourish. It's, it, it's, it's not just, oh, I know what I'm doing. It's I take time to get to know the plant and I understand it intimately. And so the master gardener prunes each branch uniquely. You and I, my pruning is gonna be different than yours. That your story is different than mine. But no matter where we are in our story, God invites us and he understands what we can handle, how we are going to walk through something and what we're not ready for. I think I've told you all before, I'm part of a, a group that we confess our sins every Monday. And one of the things I've noticed about that process in my own life is, is that there are some things that, that, that I, didn't, I didn't realize what God was doing. I wasn't ready to hear the truth until I had dealt with this. And so after I dealt with this, then God said, well, okay, good, we handled that. Now here's something else in your life that needs pruning. Lord's gentle. If he would have said, wow, you're terrible in all these ways, I would have been overwhelmed. All right? But as he prunes us, he's gentle, and he prunes us each uniquely. Now here's the next thing that, that Bill told me, is that the master gardener prunes to protect the branch. All right? In fact, that was the first thing that he said, is that pruning is not a painful thing, but instead it's done to protect the branch. So because sometimes the branches, and you've seen this in trees, right, they get too heavy, and if they get too heavy, they'll collapse under the weight of themselves, but also as it involves um, just storms like the ones we had. So um, if you looked outside this morning, you may have seen some branches down, right, that the storms of life took care of some pruning, all right, here, um, because it wasn't able to handle the weight. Um, I have a friend named Richard who um, knows a lot of stuff about this. I asked him about pruning as well. And this is what he said. Pruning is um, necessary for the long-term health of any woody plant. Letting nature take its course will ultimately result in a plant with far too many leaves and branches to sustain. Pruned plants have left less leaf and twig surface area available to accumulate snow and ice Thus, their burdens are less when these storms arrive, as they surely will. Did you hear that? Their burdens are less as the storms arrive, as they surely will. Sometimes there are things in our life that need to be pruned because of the storms that are coming. And the master gardener knows to prepare us for those storms in unbelievable ways sometimes. Now, why else does pruning happen? This one was one of my favorite ones. The master gardener prunes to prevent cross irritation. And what, what Bill told me was that sometimes branches, one branch will grow this way and the other branch will grow this way and they'll rub each other the wrong way. You get that? And now I'm sure that hasn't happened to you that you've ever been rubbed the wrong way or rubbed somebody else the wrong way. But sometimes pruning happens because this is what it is. And what, what, what Bill told me is that when you prune back, you're hoping that they're going to grow straight and be able to complement each other. Right? And so sometimes there's some stuff relationally that need to happen, not a negative thing, but because we're rubbing each other the wrong way, this loving and gracious God is going to prune us back so that we can grow together stronger and work together instead of against one another. And so this is part of the reason why the master gardener will prune. And then, of course, probably the most famous version is this. The master gardener prunes to stimulate growth. 
It's kind of amazing. I was talking with Larry Anderson. I know Larry's here. and He's got pear trees and apple trees and peach trees and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, sometimes they'll just knock off a bunch of the tree. Um, and, and, some, and, you, and, if you dry, and if you look at it, you think, gosh, that was a pretty tree and now it's ugly. What are you doing? But, but the beauty of the cycle of life is that it grows back stronger than before. The beauty of the way that, that God lives is that whenever things are pruned, it actually goes to stimulate growth so that it can produce more fruit, better fruit, healthier fruit. And in fact, sometimes these branches need to be cut away. That was one of the things we noticed as we read it as a staff, that, that every branch will be cut. Some will be cut off and others will be cut back. My dad, who passed on a non-love of gardening to me, um, told me a story about when he was a kid, they had an accidental watermelon patch. If you've ever had an accidental watermelon patch, he had one in his backyard. And so his dad thought that would be a good project for him to learn about how things grew or to how to get him out of the house. I'm not sure which of the two it was, um, but he went out there and, and he had to take care of this watermelon patch. And one of the things that he realized was that, that he had to trim back those those that weren't bearing any fruit, he had to trim those back so that those, those nutrients weren't being pushed out, but instead they were going to those that were bearing the most fruit. My friend Richard said these words, a word for the non-pruners of Oklahoma. If you leave the plants in your neck of the woods unpruned, the good Lord will surely send storms that will provide the pruning which is ultimately more painful and unattractive. There are storms, my friend. We saw it today. Some of you woke up in the middle of the night, the storms. But I loved what was happening during the early service. Um, and maybe it's even happening right now because the Weather Channel told me there was light rain that's going to happen. Is it right? If there's a storm that's passing right now, we have no idea. Because in the presence of God and in the presence of his people, there is a safety and a security and a sense of being still to be with God. And so storms will come and storms will go. The rains will come and the floods will destroy. But for those of us who have our foundation in Jesus Christ, and, and like I preached on my very first Sunday, the words Jesus are written on the concrete right under us. As people who have this deep foundation in his love and in his goodness, we can abide in that and trust the master gardener to prune us and to help us take steps. So what I'm going to invite us to do is to consider what, are we, what choice are we going to make? Are we going to choose the cycle of death, which is all around us? This idea of, of that I have to be busy so that I can produce, so that I can feel loved? Or am I going to choose the cycle of life? I am loved. I'm going to choose to abide in that love. I will, I'll receive the pruning of God. And then I'll produce what God wants me to produce. And I'll keep in that way. I was at a conference this week, and I, I heard somebody talk about this idea of the 10-second rule. A lot of you know about the five-second rule, right? You drop your communion bread, you have five seconds to pick it up, all right? Just kidding, we'll give you another piece. But the 10-second rule is this. He said that if God prompts something in your heart, if you don't act on it within 10 seconds, you're most likely not going to do it. God speaks to us. But if we don't act on it, if God is t communicating something to us and we don't act on it, then often we're going to fall away. May we be people who are courageous to choose to follow Jesus and to choose to do what God wants us to do instead of what the world 
says we should do. So I'm going to give us 10 seconds to listen to the prompting of God. And then I'm going to close us in prayer and lead us into communion. So let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang United Methodist Church podcast. If there is ever anything that we can do for you, please feel free to let us know. You can email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. And please remember that we'd love to see you on Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.50. Thank you.